This is July 6th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. Welcome into the Bruins feed on CLNS Media. My name is Evan Marinovsky. I hope you guys are having a great day, a great week, had a great fourth. I know up here in the Northeast it was pretty rainy for the whole fourth weekend, but hopefully you guys still did some cookouts or went to the beach or did something fun for the day. First fourth of July and in, in uh, where we can actually go out and do things. So it was a fun time, a fun day. But on this episode, uh, the past couple episodes, uh, Connor and I have focused on different parts of free agency and different parts of the lineup. We focused on Rask and Krejci, uh, like about a month ago. Then last episode, we talked about, uh, the future on defense and what they needed to do to tweak that up, uh, for next season. So this episode, before the cup final officially ends, now it may have ended Monday night. I don't know. This is being recorded before that, but I wanted to focus on the bottom six. So this episode is centered around how to fix the bottom six. Nice little rhyme there. Uh, that definitely helps. That's probably going to go in the title uh, of this episode. But Connor and I got into uh, discussions on how to fix it. You know, who are the definites down there? Who on the current roster is going to be a, a starter on the third or fourth line next year? And who needs to be brought in? And there was one name uh, that we both agreed upon uh, as a name that could come in. Might cost a little bit of money. But I think it'd be very worth it in the end. Uh, before we get into the episode, though, bet online still the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing, and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the new, latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, the NBA, the NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, the next tip-off, the next fight, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your mobile device and take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Now the matches this week, the matches tonight actually. The match, the the big the golf matches tonight. And then the McGregor fight, I believe, is this weekend. So again, don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on that action. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Connor Ryan. And we're here with Connor Ryan. Connor, what is up? Evan, doing well. How you doing? I'm doing great. Had a fun 4th of July weekend. Of course, it rained uh, the entire time or most of the time, but it still was very fun. What did you end up doing for it? Uh, nothing much. Pretty, pretty low key. Uh, we've had a, a couple of relatives who we usually, uh, do cookout with there on vacation. So it kind of worked out pretty well though. Cause if we did anything, it would have been like complete downpour anyway. So it was pretty chill, low key going on vacation this week. So, uh, we'll be able to uh, get away from that going forward, but nothing, nothing too, nothing too crazy. It's, it's a shame that after like the past year we had that it's not like a legit, blow out like I think a lot of people were expecting of like great weather and like everyone's having a cookout wasn't really the case but it's a lot better than where we were last year right oh yeah and what's funny is you think about it up here at least in the northeast first weekend that 
Massachusetts was really open it was Memorial Day and it was hard. It was crappy out. I remember going to the garden and wearing like a coat. It was cold. <laughs> yeah. And then July 4th is crap weather too. So I guess we gotta, we gotta take for, take advantage of, uh, the, the weekends in between the days in between those, these big days. Cause we aren't getting good weather. Um, I was in Boston at a friend's house. Uh, it was a bunch of, it was all, all from UMass. We hadn't seen each other in like a month. So it was fun to kind of reunite a little bit, see everybody. Uh, so very fun fourth. Um, fun to be back. And there are lots of fireworks. It was, uh, all, all over Boston. You just heard pop, pop, pop. It's crazy. Craziness. I mean, it probably was most of Massachusetts, I would imagine. So I would imagine yeah, mo- most of the country. It's, it's a rough night for dogs. For do- dogs do not like 4th of July. But... No, they do not. No. But, but... Anyways, uh, by the way, for, for this, uh, 4th of July marks eight years since the, uh, infamous Tyler Sagan for Louis Erickson trade. Uh, and Rich Peverly. People forget Rich Peverly was also yes. dealt in that. Matt Frazier, you know, he had some real heavy hitters going separate ways mm. in that deal. But always interesting to go back and watch that, uh, behind the B clip of, um, them debating on whether or not Sagan, you know, if we get half of Kane from Sagan, we win the Stanley Cup. I can't believe that, like, made the final cut. Like, like, they were like, when I was like, I, like, I appreciate it, like, in terms of, like, full transparency, like, it's fascinating. But I'm shocked that they, they posted that. Yes. Oh, no. Incre- I mean, really incredible transparency. Like, I wish they had that for everything, mm-hmm. but that is incredible. I mean, you could tell they were so confident in the deal. They're like, oh, we'll put, the-. you know, in th- three years, people are going to be like, damn, Sagan sucks. Erickson, you know, willed the Bruins to a Stanley Cup. This is really going to work out well for us. Um, but yeah, absolutely hilarious to reminisce on that. And what's funny is, I mean, the Bruins have been to a Stanley Cup since then. They've been competitive the whole time. Uh, I think they would have obviously liked to have won a cup or two. I think there's other things you can point to in the past eight years that have been much worse. You know, see the 15 draft, the Riley Smith trade, I think was honestly worse because you got nothing out of Jimmy Hayes. Whereas Uh, Louis Erickson, you at least got something. Yeah. And I think if you had Riley Smith, like even it's still a lopsided trade, but it'd be a lot more uh, acceptable if let's say you had Smith here the entire run and he had kind of the, the production he had for the last few years in Vegas. I mean, you'd have like a top six guy. You'd have like a, a guy locked in for that spot for, for years and years, like, uh, to, to kind of jump ship on him after one year where he took a little bit of a dip in production, uh, and replace him with a complete net negative, right? And yes. Jimmy Hayes, that, yeah, that might be the most painful part of it because Erickson, you know, what have you with that. But in terms of just building another piece that you build forward into your core to just kind of, uh, you know, jump ship on Smith, that, that one hurts. Yeah. And Louis Erickson. Did he lead the Bruins in points in 15-16? I mean, I know yeah. it wasn't like a big right for, deal. Right for, right for his payday. Yeah. yeah, 61 points or something like that. Um, But anyways, yeah, eight-year anniversary of that, I always like to kind of remember. It's always free content on the 4th of July to of tweet about the Sagan trade. It's easy. Just fire off the tweet about it. Boom. Gets people uh, all in the feels about uh, losing Sagan. Anyways, um, obviously, the Bruins have some addition to do this offseason, some decisions to make. And we've just, we've discussed Krejci. We've discussed Rask. We've discussed the defense. And I was thinking, well, what haven't we discussed? And we haven't discussed, arguably, the main reason why they lost to the Islanders. It's the bottom six, your depth on offense. And that's something that I think is going to be a big talking point of this offseason, of how they're going to fix uh, the bottom six. I like that little bit of rhyme, the rhyme scheme there, how to fix the bottom six. I think that I think that's good. Um, but there's some there's some free agent options out there. There's some in-house guys that they that they currently have. Um, I'll start with this. I think there's two definites next season in the bottom six on line three and four. 
And I think it's Charlie Coyle down the middle, most likely, if Krejci returns, and Curtis Lazar on the fourth line as the center. Other than that, you have a lot up in the air heading into the season. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, whether it's, I mean, if you look at the fourth line, I think Corrales, I think he's gone, uh, in free agency. Uh, I think that one's a given, but even a guy like Wagner, um, you know, he's still under contract, obviously, but it's not like I think the, the spot's going to be carved out for him, whether that's, you know, in, in, internal competition or free agency, what have you. And then the third line, it's going to be fascinating because I think everyone's, you know, it's pretty clear they need an injection of talent there. It's just kind of what, route do you do do there you know is it uh do you keep you pick between debrusque and richie right or is it do you go full on like both those guys are, are off the team because you know i could see the argument where it's you know you get that elite you know play driving third line guy who like could be a, a second line guy um to put with coil and then you take your pick of you know maybe it's you try Richie again, or you keep DeBrusque's values low, and you put him just entrench him on that left side, and hopefully he breaks through. So, a lot of different routes they can take with that, but whichever kind of course they they end up chatting here in this offseason, you're I think you're going to see at least two, three newcomers, if not guys that are definitely going to be, you know, uh, a Frederick or even if it's like a, a Cameron Hughes or, uh, you know, a um, Oscar Steen, something like that. I think you're going to see a lot of new blood kind of injected into that bottom six, which, I mean, you kind of said it, they, they, they desperately need because as we've seen from Tampa, Montreal, all these cup contenders, we talked about this recently about kind of the hallmarks of these cup contending teams. You need to have four lines that have a set identity and you can roll out regularly that can make an impact. And you didn't get nearly enough of that this last year with, the, that bottom six unit. They need to bring back Jumbo Joe. I think that's the real answer. Of course. Uh, get some better in leadership down in that bottom six. It's funny. You mentioned uh, the newcomers. And I think the number one offensive free agent target who isn't currently on the Bruins on the Bruins list would probably be Blake Coleman, who's currently having himself a really good postseason, most likely going to be a cup champion for the second straight year. Uh, he currently carries a cap of 1.8 million. That is surely surely going to go up yeah. um i'm thinking what three four probably in that I'd, range? I'd say i'd say at least four four and a half like some team could give him five and i wouldn't like shock me like you have to be cognizant of the flat cap era but there's also a lot of dumb teams out there that like i wouldn't be surprised if he gets four and a half four seven five five for some team that's desperate to get him i mean he's he's that good he, he's yep. he's a monster definitely won't be returning to tampa most likely given their yeah, but maybe, who knows? Maybe they find a way to. And Alex Kalorn has like, I don't, yeah, he has like the shingles or something. He's out until, out until next April. Who knows? Yes. Oh, yes. But so Blake Coleman is a, a, a good fit for the Bruins, would be a nice fit on the third line, most likely with a guy like Coyle. Um, is that something the Bruins should do? I know that we both kind of agree on this, but do you think they actually make a real push for him? I wouldn't be surprised if they do. I think maybe you have to weigh. Because it's not like the Bruins have just one or two, you know, holes they have to address. I think you have to be smart with. And granted, the Bruins have around, I think, thirty million in cap space, but it's not like you can just toss out, you know, five five and a half million outbid everyone for Blake Coleman and be happy. Your offseason's done, right? They've still got resign Krejci if he wants to be back. Resign Hall. Find out what you're doing in net. Is Rask going to be back? Do you need to sign another veteran netminder? Uh, you know, is what are you going to do on the blue line? Like you still have to allocate a lot of money elsewhere. You have to be smart. And if you're signing a guy like Coleman, you have to be sure that he's going to be 
the guy he was the last two years in, in Tampa and what he was in New Jersey before that. And I still think he's a good player, but if he's asking for a four or five million, a four or five year deal, it should be cognizant of, all right, he's, I think 29 right now. What kind yeah. of players are you going to be, you know, in, in year, you know, in the next couple, coming years. And granted the Bruins could also be like, you know, fuck it. Like we've got a two year window where it's going to be pretty rough after two years. So if he declines into year three of his deal, it's kind of the bed you, bed you made. But if you win a cup or you go on a crazy cup run the next two years and it's all worth it. So you've got, you have to kind of weigh those things. But in terms of what the fit is, uh, Coleman hits on a whole bunch of those things. I mean, he's a guy that uh, very well could be a top six guy on a lot of other teams. Uh, of a fantastic third line guy full season. will get you 20 goals. Uh, great four checker, speedy guy, not like a big, not a huge guy, but plays physical. There's a guy that does well in the playoffs, right? Um, yes, he's thick. Uh, Bruins need more thick guys. Um, we will clip that for <laughs> put in the podcast. Um, but you know, th- those are the kind of guys you win with. And those are guys that if they're put in that role, um, they excel at. And, whether it's, you know, Coleman or any of the free agents. And you could also make the case that the Bruins should be aiming at not just like a guy that's penciled in as like good third line guy. Like if it's a guy who's just a great middle six player, it's not a bad thing if you get someone who flip flops with, uh, with Craig Smith and, you know, Craig Smith is bumped back down to the third line with Coyle. Like that's a good problem to have if, if you have him back with Coyle who, uh, obviously needs to rebound and hopefully should considering he's having off season surgery. You hope maybe that was something that was nagging that he'll be able to correct, but you put coil with Craig Smith and either another guy or maybe DeBrus back on the left side, you have something to build there. If you have a, a guy that you can pay with Krejci and Hall. So whether that's Coleman or, you know, maybe a guy who's more penciled in as a top six guy, like a Paul Mary or a Brennan Saad or, or one of these guys, whatever the case may be, it has to be, if you're going the free agency route, a guy like that, where it's someone that is either a elite, very, very, very good third liner or a, a, a pretty solid, you know, 20 goal scorer on a second line. You need to find someone like that. You can't have, uh, Akasha, who is, you know, maybe an analytic styling who has some question marks of how much that's going to actually translate into actual production, even overlooking like the injury aspect of it, right? You need someone who's 82 game season penciling for 20 goals. Like you yes. need someone in that spot. And that's worth the money, in my opinion. Like you haven't yeah. had one of those in so long where you can just count on Coleman or Palmieri uh, or Saad to get you 20 goals. Just get to 20 goals. You can suck in your own zone. You can do all that, but just get 20 goals. And that's something I think they need desperately. I also think if they if if Taylor Hall leaves by some weird reason, I think yes. 100% they're getting Blake Coleman or Assad or a Palmieri. Um, but I think it is interesting that you know Coleman on that you know that if you get Coleman down on that third line, you have Coyle, and then you have a bunch of left shots to Brusque, Richie, mm-hmm. uh, Coleman. I also wouldn't be surprised to see if they get a guy like Coleman to also find a way to trade to Brusque with his contract because I feel mm-hmm. like the money will be somewhat similar in that sense and. Are you getting the same out of DeBrusque? Probably not. So I think yeah. that might be an area in which they could maybe cut some corners and save some cash. Um, yeah. What's DeBrusque making right now? He's What is it? Four? Three, three, isn't it 3.7? I think like maybe his actual payout this year is around four, but I, I want to say it's like 
three is it like three point seven five. You're probably right. Is. You're probably but, right. But I think if you get Coleman, yeah, it either opens the door that you move on from DeBrusque, or you can also cut ties with Richie if you want to be the the guy that's paying him that next big contract. Because you know, I think as much as people want to to move on from DeBrusque, I think if the if the deal's right, if you get great value for him. And if it's, you know, a guy that's, uh, uh, he's a headliner and a package to get a defenseman like an Ackholm or, uh, a comparable player or someone else who maybe has high upside, then you do it. But if you get, let's say Coleman on the right side and all of a sudden you've got DeBrusque penciled in, you know, you're the left, you're, you're, uh, on left wing with, with Coyle who should be healthy with Coleman who drives play. It's not the worst case scenario if you're not going to get, you know, half of what the value used to be for him to keep him and pencil him in there. Like that's a line that you already have Coyle who should be better and Coleman who's legit and a guy in DeBrusque who like legitimately should. I, mean, I don't know how you can get any worse, right? Like even if sure. you think a 15 goal scorer, that's more than what you have from him in last year. And you put him with a lot more talent with a guy like Coleman, maybe he breaks out. So you've got a whole bunch of options, so, but I think it all, falls into place more once you get that legitimate third line winger, whether that's again, a free agent guy on the third line, or you get a, a top six player and then you slot uh, Craig Smith down. Yeah. I think the, I agree on that. I also think you definitely don't have that in house. You do not have someone who can just step into that third line. I mean, you can't count on Carson Coleman for 15 to 20 goals. You can't do it. So um, that is going to be a thing. That's gonna be a legit thing. I mean, you think about it, you go into next season with, Marshan Bergeron, Pasternak, Hall, Krejci, Smith, Coleman, Coyle, DeBrusque. That's a pretty damn good top nine. Like that top nine, I mean, you know, you, we expect DeBrusque to have some sort of a rebound year if they don't trade him. Um, again, that could be Richie instead of DeBrusque. Who knows? Um, but I do think that e- either way you slice it, that's a good top nine. The question is, what's Coleman's money going to be? What's he going to be? You know, is it going to be long term? The Bruins seem to not love these long-term deals with outside free agents. Uh, so I do have a weird time believing Sweeney would do more than three years, but who knows? Again, like it's the top, the bottom six has been a legit issue and that's something that's plagued them for a few years now. So you do, that needs to be dealt with. And that was what Craig Smith kind of came in to do. Craig Smith was supposed to be that guy and then he played well and <laughs> in the top six. So, and you also mentioned Coleman could go up there for him. Uh, who knows, but he's having himself. A hell of a, a playoffs and also he's a winner he's been winning like this is a guy who's been on the last two cup teams so yeah i like absolutely um you know would be a guy that would inject some good veteran type leadership has one good playoff performer so i think all that makes sense by the way speaking of the playoffs how bad has the stanley cup been my goodness it's, it's so disappointing it's been, it's been dreadful like <laughs> It's it's so disappointing and also so not not surprise you know not surprising at all. I think we all kind of mapped this out like, well, maybe they'll make a game out of it. I think I had six games, uh, but that was probably far too lofty. Of course, now in hindsight, it's way too lofty, but um, just completely outmatched. And you know, you could make the case that Tampa was going to roll through anyone, but you'd think that a, a Vegas Tampa series would at least be a lot more entertaining, a lot more high powered offense, uh, a lot more even matchups. I mean, it hasn't been. I don't think. Tampa's trailed at all in these uh in this series uh I think it's 14 to 5 they've been outscored Montreal so um yeah it's this whole year's been weird anyway like I I'm 
regardless of, I mean, obviously the, the COVID and, and the implications there and the quarantines and all those restrictions are, it's going to be great to have that in the rear view going forward, but just a clean slate of like, all right, we're opening camp in September, 82 games, you know, back, everyone's back even. We'll see what Tampa has to do this off season where they have a cap crunch coming again. Um, it's just good to like have a clean slate because this whole year was just bizarre, right? Oh yeah. Very bizarre. And it started when there was no fans in the building. That was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, crazy, crazy atmosphere at those games. I was, someone asked me recently, they're like, what was the, the fake crowd noise like? And I was like, it was awful. It was, it was like, it, just, it was <laughs> like dreadful. white noise in the background. And then it would just kind of, yeah, it, wasn't, like, it wasn't even loud. No, it was just noise. It was annoying. It was like, shut up. Just like, I just want to watch the game. Take the crowd noise out of it. Like, no one believes this people in the stands it doesn't sound like people yeah, it's this, tra- this trader joe's like muted soundtrack <laughs> it was like it was like faintly playing in the background it was just it's just like yeah it was like white noise it was terrible and it would get louder in the third period like it would first period second period it was kind of in the in the background and then the third period it would be like way louder It'd be like this mm-hmm. stinks so yes to have fans back and to have that i'm hoping that there's no third like stage of COVID. i hope there's no like thing where they have to quarantine again or you're wearing masks and stuff just want it done i just want to move on how hard is that to do um okay so we kind of discussed the third line the fourth line doesn't seem like the place where you'd go out and get a free agent for maybe i mean i feel like you did that with lazar in that trade i mean you lose corrali um some candidates you have for the fourth line obviously chris wagner trent frederick you mentioned cameron hughes oscar steen um did i mention carson coleman yes just say coleman him yep. as well. Um, so you have some guys down there uh, with Lazar down the middle. Is there any trio that you, you look at and say, okay, that would work? Because I don't see myself being like, here are the three definites. I feel like that's going to be a revolving door type scenario on that fourth line, at least for the first couple months of the season. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be kind of a, a by committee. And yeah, I can't really see them getting, unless like they go all in and not like they're going to spend a bunch of money, but it, let's say they pay for, you know, a, a veteran guy or I think like Perry's, Perry's a free agent. Like, I, I don't know if you're spending money to get like a, you know, a Armia or a Barclay Goudreau or someone like that who could be a third line, fourth line guy uh, in that spot. I'm sure they'd love to have them, but again, we have, they have to be smart with how they're allocating this money. Um, so for the brooms, I think it's maybe a, a, it's going to be fascinating to see how they, they map it out and how maybe Cassidy adjusts like his deployment of that fourth line, because, you know, as, as tough as that fourth line was last couple of years, they also were handed, you know, they were fed to the wolves most nights in terms of like their D zone deployments. Like they were just getting rocked in all these, uh, in all these games and series. So maybe it's a situation where instead of having them be this team that just eats all these D zone sites, it's, you know, more of a fast-paced four-checking groups. So maybe that's where you let Cameron Hughes or an Oscar Steen, who looked uh, pretty solid in that last game against the Capitals, or you know, maybe they try to inject more skill into it. And maybe it's is that where Sidnika starts? I don't really know where else you kind of put him. Like, is it is it kind of one of those situations? Um, do you try to just make that line kind of like a hodgepodge? youngster plus veteran group where you get like a, a Corey Perry or like a, a I think like a I, I don't know if Ryan Getzloff is a free agent but is he a guy that you yes. sign for like He's one year it's just like a the guy down the middle you put Lazar and insert young player there and see like what you get out of that group so that line's tough to map out other than the fact that I think we're all in agreement that it needs to be drastically different next year so 
that, that's going to, I think, come down to just how they, the ideology and how they kind of map out what the role of that fourth line is going to be, because you can go in a whole bunch of different directions. Like you could just try to beef it up and have them be just a physical team again. But if they're out there and they're getting hemmed in, in the, in the D zone every single time, what are you really accomplishing when you can't really, you know, lay some welts on the other end of the ice. So um, that might be the first step is just charting out what they're looking from that unit and then go from there. But I don't see them spending, you know, you know, handing out uh, two and a half million to uh, a fourth line grinder kind of guy. I don't think. Yeah. What's funny is you mentioned Getzloff and I haven't really considered that until now. So if this idea doesn't make a lot of sense, you know, don't kill me for it. But if, if they do lose Krejci, wouldn't be the worst idea to get a guy like Getzlav at that discounted rate, not even for second line duties, but for third line duties mm-hmm. to step in. If you don't feel Stadnika's ready yet, um, if you want to kind of have a backup plan in case Coil doesn't work out in the second line, you at least know Getzlav could get you something. I know he's not that, you know, obviously he's nowhere near his prime, but he's only 36 and maybe there's something left there. Maybe that's something if, if you, again, that's only if you lose Krejci, but mm-hmm. that might be something you want to consider. That's not the craziest idea in the world. So, you can get creative with this. Got to think outside the box uh, with this stuff. The interesting thing you also mentioned was uh, was Lazar and how he is slated to play. And I think, again, a full season with him with, you know, some form of line mates, I think will work. I mean, Lazar looked good, pretty good uh, in his time in Boston last year. And again, it's just limit those D zone starts. You want you don't want them out there hemmed in their own zone uh, for all that time. And I also think it is time for them to move on from Corrali. I think that that makes sense. Someone else will pay him. You know, you can find someone to kind of take that job. Uh, feels like the glory, the glory days of Sean Corelli in Boston might just be behind us. But uh, at any rate, that is Bruins beat for this week. Uh, Connor, before you go, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah, we're going to uh, be breaking down. We're going to be handing out our uh, season ending grades for Bruins players. Now that uh, I assume maybe when this podcast drops, the 2021 season will probably be officially over. If not, Tam, uh, Montreal is going to be on its last legs anyway. Uh, so we'll hand out grades. We're going to look at a few other um, potential middle six targets for the Bruins. Uh, you know, I think you hear a lot of uh, Ricard Raquel is a new guy that I think is the new trendy. Every week it's a new like, kind of trendy player. We had the we had the Connor Gallen phase. You know, we had Oliver Ekman Lassen for a week on defense, you know, occupying our time. Might be the Ricard Raquel week. So we'll take a look at maybe him as a player and where he might fit in into the Bruins plan. So we'll have all that over at BSJ. Uh, so subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that for CLNS Media. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You Bruins beat listeners. Have a great rest. Here we go. <laughs>